Artistic Whispers Productions presents... Down from 10, a country house mystery written and performed by J. Daniel Sawyer. Author contact information at www.jdsawyer.net. Featuring the vocal talents of... Philippa Ballantyne. T. Morris. Kitty Nakian. Nathan Lowell. Miss Calendar. Nobilis Reed. Christiana Ellis. Chris Lester. With original music by Danny Shade. This podcast contains adult language, sexual situations, and bizarre humor. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, this is Christiana Ellis. You may know me from Nina Kimberly the Merciless, Space Casey, and enough other podcasts that it would take you a really long time to shake a stick at all of them, and your arm would probably get pretty tired. If, however, you're in a stick-shaking mood, you can find all my stuff at ChristianaEllis.com. You're listening to Episode 6, and this is the story so far. The second day of the Xanadu retreat saw our heroes relaxing into the kind of vacation they'd been hoping to have. And it looks like even the newcomers, Idel and Jeremiah, may be finding their place in the group. But as night descends and the snow piles up, can we trust that all will remain well? Or does the darkness hold other unexpected dangers? Chapter 5 E minus 9 Evening As night fell, the afternoon's aggressive flurries grew in their fury. A second low-pressure wave pushed in on the jet stream, dumping first freezing rain and then more snow on the high country above Redding. The predicted 5 to 10 feet turned into 20 as the atmosphere's frozen water fell angrily towards Earth, forming a fragile layer cake of loose powder, then ice, and then wet, heavy snow piled one atop the other, tottering dangerously under the gravity and wind. By the time most of the guests retired, the situation outside the manor's fragile walls had passed the point of no return. Jeremiah might have been a socially stunted man carrying around more shame than was good for anybody, but that didn't stop him from reacting to her every movement like the dancer he was. Katie bucked her hips carefully, keeping him right on the edge as she milked her own orgasm, riding its edge for a full six minutes. She moved as slowly as she could stand to, keeping her pelvis tilted back so her clitoris ground against his pubic bone. Achingly, one creeping thrust at a time, she danced in wide circles as the itching, prickling, tingling spasms shot from her belly up her ribs and down to her toes until she couldn't bear to hold it back anymore. She looked down at the bound man below her, the sweat pooling in the hollow of his neck, his eyes glazed and vacant, and let herself go. All at once, her brain disconnected and her body took over, bouncing wildly as if his cock were a cattle prod until all her spasms synced up at once. She gripped her legs against his hips and bore down on him with all her weight and muscle, and for a moment, nothing moved but the muscles inside. 
When she could breathe again, she collapsed forward and bit him on the shoulder, screaming into his skin as the final, violent shuddering ripped through her like a tiger through tissue. She felt his breath in her ear, hot, quick, needy. He hadn't come yet. She turned her lips to his ear. You want it? Be a good boy. She nibbled his ear. Beg for it. Please. It was halfway between a hiss and a sob. I have to. Please let me come. Well, since you ask nicely... She latched her teeth onto his neck and began to move. She'd watched his reactions while she rode him and knew he was most sensitive on the sides of his cock. Her circles earlier had kept her from brushing them too directly, keeping him from going over. Now she shimmied her hips back and forth like a belly dancer, twisting and bending him until he erupted into his little raincoat. He sighed, finally relieved and contented. <laughs> All better now? Oh, yeah. She reached up and popped the safety release on the handcuffs, then reached down and slid two fingers into her pussy on either side of his prick, squeezed, and lifted her right leg wide and rolled off of him, holding his condom in place. With a strange man, and a dancer at that, she wasn't taking any chances. He reached down and peeled it off, then swung it like a weighted string and flung it at the garbage can. It splashed uselessly off the rim and onto the hardwood. Katie giggled, but <laughs> Jeremiah didn't notice that he'd missed. Instead, he put his hands behind his head and beamed at her. You'd make a killing as a dancer with moves like that. <laughs> Why, thank you. I mean it. You'd outlast everyone. Jeremiah's face was filled with awe. The openness of it looked good on him. It just takes practice. Katie winked at him. Now pass me some of your water, slave. Huh? Oh, yeah. Jeremiah turned back towards the door and retrieved his water glass from the bedside table. She let her eyes linger on his back, again savoring every muscle and bone moving under his thin skin. He rolled back over and presented her with the glass. She took it and started to drink, but snorted it through her nose when he asked, so, you get lots of practice? <laughs> Katie shook her head to try to get the water out of her sinuses. <laughs> Isn't that one of those questions you're not supposed to ask a woman? Kind of like, say, asking a PETA activist, do you drive a car with rubber tires? His eyes narrowed. Now you're taking advantage. I thought that's what got you off. It did. You didn't notice? And he was all smiles again. Changeable as April weather. Guess you're just fucked no matter what you do. Jeremiah turned on his side and propped himself up on his pillow, fully facing her. He reached out with his left hand and cupped her breast. So, you know everything about me? What about you? You know I've got freckles on my pussy lips. What more do you need? Freckles? Sorry, I didn't notice. You're a very bad boy. She seized her riding crop from the tangle of sheets beneath her and reached across to snap him sharply on his ass. Oh, come on, seriously. How'd you get in with this crowd? Oh, I've always been here. Met Carol in high school. She was a student teacher I was in her study group. Katie hoped he wouldn't press the point. Naturally, he did. Typical. And how does that qualify you for the odd man out club? Well, 
Katie pushed him onto his back and flipped the sheet over her head. Then she seized his cock and slipped it comfortably in her mouth. You can't get away that easy. Whoa. His ability to use his tongue seemed to abandon him as she used hers. She flicked it up and down across the sides of his foreskin, and he grew until her jaw stretched. Katie slipped halfway back on him so that she could mumble intelligibly. Mama, you mean Carol? She felt him stiffen in an unpleasant way as he spoke the name. Mm-hmm. She redoubled her efforts and dragged her fingernails lightly across his scrotum. Stop. Oh, God. Oh. He swallowed, and she started pushing his cock head against the inside of her cheek. That's not fair. Mm-hmm. It wasn't supposed to be fair. It was supposed to be fun. She returned happily to her snack. No, seriously. She felt his hand on her shoulder and sighed, conceding to the inevitable interruption. She let his lovely cock slip from her mouth, already missing its taste and feel as the last of it dragged out past her lips. She tugged the sheets down off her head and looked at him. Her hands weren't letting him go yet. I thought you weren't calling the shots. <laughs> I thought we were done playing for now. <sighs> Silly man. Do you always interrupt sex with interrogations? Do you always interrupt interrogations with sex? She smiled wickedly. Yeah? Why is she mother to everyone? He wasn't going to let it go. Katie sighed. Jeremiah, look, these are all long stories. And there's plenty of time. Oh, by the way, you want a good story sometime? Ask Garrett about why he left France. It'll keep you laughing for hours. But what- Relax. She stroked him soothingly, like a mother might stroke the head of a fretting child. Getting to know someone takes time. Don't rush it. Just enjoy the moments and let it come. Jeremiah nodded. His face screwed up as if it were trying to fit into an unfamiliar mask. Then he smiled, accepting. Okay. She trailed her fingers from his pubic hair out over his hips, letting the silence have its due for a moment. Are you glad you came? <laughs> what did it look like? You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. Katie crawled up so that she was face to face with him again. She pulled her fingers along his torso as she did, raising goose flesh in her wake. You gonna stay after the weather clears? I suppose. Yeah, why not? Eight more days of this? What have I got to lose? On the ridgeline, about a mile to the north, a tenant renting a cabin for the new year drove a sputtering, dying, snow-chained old pickup truck off the road and into a snow-drowned driveway. As its driver switched it off, the engine dieseled violently, sending three small, loud explosions out the tailpipe. It was all the excuse the mountain needed. Chapter 6 E-9 Night Carol started awake and immediately looked around. She was alone in her bed, which meant that Kevin had done his typical sneak-out-as-soon-as-she's-snoring maneuver and retreated to the more sprawl-friendly space of his own mattress. 
The water in the glass on her nightstand quivered and sloshed unmistakably, which meant he'd just stumbled out, except that when she listened, she didn't hear any footfalls. No moonlight came in through her window. Normally at the full moon she could see at least a hint of a glow through her window, even beneath overcast. But not now. She slid out of bed and crawled her toes into her slippers. Standing, she grabbed her terry cloth robe and wrapped it around herself as she walked to the window. The floor and air weren't cold, which meant it was either still early or someone was still tending the fire. Rubbing the cuff of her sleeve against the fog on the pane didn't clear the view. The snow had piled high enough on the solarium roof that it was blocking the window. The low rumbling in the floor and the rafters creaking overhead didn't encourage her. This was avalanche weather. The ice last night, the wet snow today, and the unending blizzard tonight added up to textbook conditions from everything she'd read before she bought the house last May. Perfect. She padded quietly out her door and down the hall, taking care not to wake anyone as she went. She came to the first door on her left and cracked it open. The window was similarly blocked, Katie wasn't in her bed, and her bedclothes were unrumpled. Carol smiled to herself. As she stepped back and closed the door, she heard the merest creak of a hinge behind her and down the hallway. She looked over her shoulder and saw a shadowy figure in a long, flowing robe moving away from Garrett's room. The dark shape, only an outline against the wan light at the top of the staircase, seemed to float across the hallway and down a couple doors. It opened another and slipped inside. Carol passed Amos's, Gerd's, and Kevin's doors and arrived in front of the door the shadow had slipped into. Sarah's door. A finger of light stretched from a crack in the doorway out across the hallway floor. Carol slid in front of the crack and looked in to see Sarah in her long silk druidic robe brushing out her very must brown tresses. Her relaxed face was painted beautifully with the unmistakable flush of afterglow. Carol let her breath out slowly so that Sarah wouldn't hear her, and moved on. She knew Kevin was fine. She could hear him snoring in his very soft, inoffensive way when she passed his door. Sarah, just having come from Gerd's room, was validation that he was fine. As she passed Adele's room and peeked in, she saw her friend sleeping soundly, curled into a fetal position and facing away from the door. Across the hall, the sounds leaking out through Jeremiah's door left little doubt as to who was inside and what they were up to. That left the living room, someone tending the fire and still not sleeping, and there was only one person who'd do that at whatever ungodly hour this was. Everyone was safe and accounted for, but Carol could still hear her blood rushing through her veins and the prickles on the back of her neck every time the house groaned or settled. The whole place had a sense of expectation, like she felt on the rare occasions when she'd slept in houses purported to be haunted. She stood on the landing at the top of the stairs, her hands on the railing, looking down into the great room below. Amos sat at one end of the conversation pit, still writing in his reptilian journal, his body stiff and his motions panicked, like a man running from a demon. She watched him for a moment, breathing quietly and deliberately, trying to settle the prickles on the back of her neck. 
she considered returning to her room and letting him work it out. But even as the thought crossed her mind, she knew it was rubbish. Troubles? His voice floated up to her, sounding distant and isolated, like a half-remembered dream. Even if she thought she could have turned back, he'd noticed her now. Storms always make me jumpy. She stayed at the top of the stairs for the moment, unwilling to intrude without an invitation. Be careful. You never know what kind of monsters you'll run into walking the halls at night. I've got a cozy fire here, and I'm not afraid to use it. Carol smiled, then descended the stairs and found her way to the sofa nearest the fire where Amos sat, his stockinged feet pulled up on the cushion to create a makeshift desk for his book. She made sure to stand at an angle where she couldn't quite read what he was writing. Still longhand. Amos nodded. Helps me break through and I'm blocked. Carol turned towards the fire and rested her right hip on the sofa arm near Amos's head. It's getting crazy out there. Deep. We might get snowed in. <laughs> That'd be something. Stuck in here for days with this crowd? Nowhere to go for space? It won't be so bad. Don't worry too much. She watched the fire for another moment. It wasn't good for him to be down here alone. She leaned back a little bit, opening her body to him. You had a long drive yesterday. You didn't sleep much last night. I was alone last night. How do you know? <laughs> I have surveillance cameras in the walls to watch people undressing. <laughs> Carol took the opening. She slid off the sofa arm and sat down on the coffee table across from him, leaning forward with her elbows on her knees. Why are you still up, love? Amos sighed heavily and shut his book, dropping it on his lap. I don't know. I'm not getting anything done here. He turned and tossed his pencil at the fireplace. Carol followed it with her eyes and gazed at the fire for a moment. When she looked back to him, intending to offer him some chamomile, she stopped short. Staring into the fire, quiet desperation written across his features, he looked like an exhausted, haunted man who hadn't slept in far too many years. What can make a man like Amos feel that way? Her offer died in her mouth, and as she helplessly watched his eyes, she heard herself speaking as if she was reading the thoughts in his. Always had to sleep on cold nights. He nodded as he spoke. It always feels like you might not wake up in the morning. Or might not want to. She slipped to the floor and propped her elbow in his lap. He jumped a bit at the contact, then looked down at her. She took his hand and kissed it. You're not sitting up alone. Amos looked at her, then brought his left hand around and cupped her face. Maybe not. He gestured toward the fire with his eyes, inviting her to follow. It's beautiful. Isn't it? Like a parched tongue. Always thirsty. Always dancing around looking for raindrops. Until it finally fades. We can always throw another log on. He continued as if he hadn't heard her. It's all like that, isn't it? Everything. All of us. Always jumping around after raindrops. Until we can't jump anymore. Carol let go of his hand. She ran her fingers up his chest and his neck until she held his face like he held hers. It's always good to dance in the rain. Good for the soul. Maybe. Amos. 
She found herself choking her tears back. She could feel his sadness wrap itself around her like a drowning child who'd finally found a lifeguard. I've known you for five years and I've never seen you like this. I just don't know where I'm going to go back to. Your lit classes at the university. (laughs) I quit last week. He kept his gaze firmly on the fire. No family to support, nothing there to hold me. There's only so long the co-eds can distract you from how badly they write before you just want out. Your books? It's a dying genre. I got, maybe, another four or five books before my sales drop down. I'm trying to finish a new one this week. Maybe I can crack it. He took a deep breath, choosing his words carefully, as he always did. I don't know what the point is. No one cares much for the stars anymore. You don't make your living off those. There's making a living, and then there's making a life. His eyes were glassy with unspent tears, and when they turned to her, she saw naked envy deep within them. You're lucky. You've got both at once. Some of us have to do double duty. Carol stood, leaning half against the arm of the couch, and looked down at him. His eyes followed her. She took his face in both her hands and held it tightly to make sure he'd listen. You're a good man, Amos. The world doesn't have much place for good men. She put her thumb across his lips. You're a good man. There are people here who love you. It's a transition. It'll pass. (laughs) Never thought I'd be having a midlife crisis at 37. I never thought... She smiled fondly and leaned down so her face was almost touching his. I'd be snowed in with a romance writer who doesn't know what firelight is for. Touché. This time, his smile was uncluttered by the darkness. He moved up, closing the last of the distance between their lips, and kissed her very tenderly. When he finished, he took hold of her hands and scooted to the far end of the couch. He set a pair of throw pillows out for them, then lay back and pulled her on top of him. He shifted her body so that she lay on her side against the back, curled around him with her head in the hollow of his right arm as they both, by silent agreement, watched the fire. She felt his fingers stroking her hair, her shoulders, her neck, wandering this way and that like lost sheep. The fire moved in miniature weather patterns across the top edge of the log. (sighs) She sighed happily, opening her heart to the touch and to his breathing in the firelight. (sighs) It is beautiful, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. They lay there together in the flickering light, each feeling sleep creep over them like a warm blanket. At long last, silence settled over everything in the manor, disturbed only by the low thumping and creaking as the timbers struggled, then stood against the strain the universe hurled against them. The noises disturbed Katie, who turned repeatedly in her sleep, caught up in vague dreams of creeping horror in the shadows. 
always undefined, always just beyond her reach. She flinched and tossed as she did battle with whatever phantoms plagued her alone in her bed. At the far end of the hall, Jeremiah, whose bed had gone cold since Katie departed, shivered under his covers as the heat from the fire left the room. The down comforter and the sheepskin that Carol had provided for warmth didn't help. He'd discarded them in a heap near the window when he'd first brought his luggage into the room, purely on principle. In the room between them, Gerd knew nothing of the cold or the low noises, his sleeping pills having long since pulled him down into a rest deeper than any dream. The stillness of the house became more deafening throughout the night as, bit by bit, the snow fell atop the first avalanche, and new slides came down on top of it until the house was finally, silently, buried. You've been listening to Episode 6 of Down From 10, written and performed by J. Daniel Sawyer, with original music by Danny Shade, used with permission. Starring T. Morris as Amos Maple, Philippa Ballantyne as Carol Lewis, Nathan Lowell as Gerd Falkstein, Miss Callender as Sarah Evans, Kitty Nakian as Katie Sato, Nobilis Reed as Kevin Walden, Chris Lester as Jeremiah Evans, and Christiana Ellis as Adele Surhan. Some sounds courtesy the Free Sound Project at www.freesound.org. Other sounds copyright 2009 Kitty Nakian and Artistic Whispers Productions. This audiobook is recorded, edited, and mixed at Artistic Whispers Productions in Castro Valley, California. The book is copyright 2009 J. Daniel Sawyer, based on a screenplay copyright 2008 J. Daniel Sawyer, and the recording is copyright 2009 Artistic Whispers Productions. This recording is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.5 license, and all other rights are reserved to the author. 